Hear the word of God from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 15. This reading comes from the Common English Bible. You can find this reading on pages 971 and 972 in the Pew Bible. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he also shared the same things in the same way. He did this to destroy the one who holds the power over death, the devil, by dying. He set free those who were held in slavery their entire lives by their fear of death. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, this is now the 10th worship service we have observed here in the last four days, the sixth worship service of the morning, which makes me believe that the Gospels at one point said, then immediately following these events, the disciples went straight away to take a nap. <laughs> but as it turns out, I'm not tired because I'm energized by this moment. First of all, in deep gratitude for all the folks who have put in so much work to make Holy Week and Easter such an electrifying place throughout the morning. I hope you've been able to sense that in some way. It begins, of course, with Rich and our facilities team who did an amazing job preparing all of these spaces, our tech team who made sure that things were supported beautifully so you could see and hear everything, our altar guild who does such amazing work preserving the the visual theology of our worship services, and of course, our fine musicians, our contemporary ensemble, Magnolia, the Portico Ensemble, and of course, this eclectic group of angels who are sitting behind me, who, uh, I'm trying to be nice, that's nice. Um, this is the third time they've sung today. If you were at Good Friday just a couple days ago, you know what a moving experience that was. Some might say it's inappropriate for me to acknowledge this in a worship service, but uh, I'm a senior pastor, and if I say that we can be thankful for the staff and lay people and volunteers of this church, I think we can say thanks to God for that. So thank you very, very much. But I have to say I'm most grateful for you. Because as I look across a packed sanctuary full of people in this place, I am humbled and I am gratified to see your presence here. It's not lost on me that you could be doing any of a number of other things at this moment to observe Easter with your family and your loved ones. But, but you chose to include as part of your Easter observance an acknowledgement of Christian worship to celebrate the risen Lord. And you had a lot of churches to choose from in the Tampa Bay area. You drove by a lot of churches to come here. But for some reason, you said yes to coming to Hyde Park United Methodist this morning. And I want you to know, on behalf of the clergy and the staff and volunteers, we hold it as a grateful and humbling privilege that you've chosen to be here in this place. And I hope that by the time this service is over, 
you will have experienced something of the good news of Jesus Christ that will utterly transform your life. Now, I know that's a tall order, because I'm going to guess that by and large, most of us know the Easter story already. I mean, that's why you came here today. There's probably very little that I might say to add to new insights to this story. I mean, it's been told for 2,000 years. All four gospel writers agree on the basic elements of this story, that Jesus Christ, who was dead, is now alive. That's the good news. But it occurs to me that on this Easter morning, we're sort of confronted with a question. What is so new about the good news? If this story has been around for 2,000 years, if many of us have heard this time and time again, what makes the good news so newsworthy for us today? In other words, what in the world? How can there possibly be any fresh or new insight into the resurrection story that we need to hear today? That's, that's my compelling question for the morning. And I think finding the answer starts by taking a look at the unique quality that Matthew, the gospel writer, brings to this story. Beginning with the way that Matthew describes the women. The women. They were the first to arrive at the tomb that morning. All four gospel writers are in agreement about that. The very first people to show up on the very first Easter were the women. Now, they have some minor differences in the number of women. John says that there was only one woman. Here in Matthew, Matthew says there were two women. In Mark, there were three women. And apparently, by the time it gets to Luke, he's forgotten how to count because he just says there was a bunch of women who showed up at the tomb. Regardless, there were women at the tomb. That's not the unusual part. What's unusual is the way Matthew describes the women. The way Matthew gives us an insight into what was in their minds and what was in their hearts. He has a slightly different take because you see in Mark, Mark goes out of his way to say that when the women arrived at the tomb, they were troubled. That was their frame of mind. They were troubled. They were wondering who in the world is going to roll that giant stone away from that sealed tomb. In, in Luke, Luke says that the women were busy. The women were so overcome with the grief of losing a loved one in Jesus that they just filled their life with funeral preparations and busyness with spices to prepare the body. In John, Mary shows up under the cover of darkness in the middle of the night as a way of using that darkness to shroud her own fear about being found out as a follower of Jesus. You see what's happening here? In Mark, in Luke, and John, they provide a veritable psychological profile of what was happening in the spirits of these women. They were troubled, they were busy, they were fearful. But in Matthew, Matthew's a little different. Truth be told, there could be some of us here in the sanctuary this morning who readily resonate with the description of the women in Mark and Luke and John because you would say, 
without any question that you resonate with feeling troubled and fearful and busy and confused. It may be very easy for you to simply fill in the blank right now with the many ways that your life has been in chaos, a whirlwind, that you have sunk to lows over this past, over this past week and weeks. You might acknowledge the way that you are troubled and fearful by the events in your life or the events in the world. Or you too might be grieving the loss of a loved one. And you might be anesthetizing yourself to the pain by busying yourself with work and activity. Or it could be that just like Mary, you are living life under the cover of darkness, living in perpetual fear for what might happen next. It could very easily be that you are in the frame of mind of the women from Mark and Luke and John. And if that's the case, I want you to know I'm glad you're here because you're not alone and there is good news for you. But it also occurs to me that there may be some of you who are in a completely different boat altogether. You wouldn't necessarily describe your life as troubled or fearful or busy or confused or grieving. In fact, if you were to make an honest assessment of your life, you could very readily and accurately say, you know what, McGray? My life right now is fine. It's okay. I'm not at the bottom. I'm not really at the top. I'm just living Goldilocks style. My life, my life is just right. It's okay. I'm just here on this Easter morning at Hyde Park United Methodist, just to be part of the service, just, just to see what Easter is like here. And if that's your frame of mind, if you don't identify with Mark, Luke, and John, I want you to know that Matthew's version of the Easter gospel is uniquely for you. Because what does Matthew say? about the frame of mind of the women, about what's going on in their spirit and in their hearts? Nothing. This is exactly what he says. After the Sabbath, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. That's it. That's all we're given. We're not given any kind of insight into the depth of the pain they were carrying. For all we know, they were doing okay. For all we know, they were coping with their grief by numbing themselves to the pain, by simply not allowing themselves to feel any emotion whatsoever. And we have no idea what was going on in the minds and hearts of those women. And the reality is, all four Gospels paint this whole picture that represents the vast variety of people in this sanctuary this morning, because whether you're at a high or whether you're at a low or whether you're at a plateau, whether you're feeling overwhelmed by life or simply okay, whether you're feeling hopeful or whether you're feeling desperate, regardless of your state of mind this morning, all four gospels would join in this agreement of this one fundamental notion, and it's this, in life, You never know what's going to happen next. In the gospel according to Forrest Gump, you never know what you're going to get. That's Matthew's setup. 
Matthew's ready. He has set us up for what exactly does happen next. Because as the women arrived to see the tomb, this happened. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake. You know, the funny thing about earthquakes is you can't plan for them. With hurricanes, you have days to follow that projection track. With tornadoes, you at least see a siren, hear a siren. You don't see a siren. You hear a siren. With floods, you can see the floodwaters rise. In other words, with most natural disasters, you have time to prepare, to evacuate, to duck, to run for cover, to hide. But with earthquakes, those happen without warning. Those hit you out of the blue. Those come out of nowhere. Those are shocking surprises. And that's the way it is with life. Because just when you think life is humming along, just when you think life is okay, things are fine, just Goldilocks-like, that's when the earthquake hits. The pink slip from the boss. The diagnosis from the doctor. The call in the middle of the night from the police. The death of a loved one. That's when the earthquake hits, out of the blue. You know, we don't have really any idea in Matthew what the women were thinking and feeling as they approached the empty tomb, but we can believe that they had no idea, that they couldn't possibly be prepared for what would greet them at the empty tomb. That's what life is like. There's a surprise around every corner. There's a shock at every turn. There's a curveball at any given pitch. And when the earthquakes happen, it's usually bad news. But that's what makes this earthquake so special. And that's what makes this good news so good and so newsworthy. Because for the first and only time in all of human history, this earthquake, this surprise out of the blue, this shock around the corner, this earthquake did not bring bad news at all. It brought the best news of all. Because here, the messengers said to the women, He is not here. He has been raised, just as he said. Their announcement was not of death, but of new life. Not of desperation, but of hope. This was the shocking news that the women heard, even if they didn't know they needed to hear it. This was the most shocking news of all. And you know what? This should have been enough. This should have been enough for the women to recalibrate their lives forever, to transform their lives and turn their lives up, this upside down. And this story that we've heard countless numbers of times over the generations, simply hearing this story once at some point in our life ought to have been enough to totally transform the way we live and see the world. But, you know the thing about earthquakes, you know the thing about surprises in life, usually when they happen, they bring bad news and so even when there is good news, even when there is the best news of all, 
we don't fully appreciate just how good that news really is. Oh, this news was not enough, was it? To shock the women into a whole new way of being. This news was not enough to push them into a whole new way of seeing the world. This news is not enough to shock all of the world into becoming a whole different way of being in the kingdom. Because this, this earthquake that brings such good news falls on such deaf ears because we are so used to hearing one piece of bad news after the other. And even though this Easter earthquake was a signal of victory in the midst of death, these women were not able to understand it, let alone receive it. And that explains why, when they first heard the news, their response was not cheer, but fear. They were quaking in their boots, and that's why the messengers had to say in that moment, calm down, ladies, don't be afraid, it's going to be okay. That's why the Roman officials, when they heard the news, were so disbelieving about the veracity of this news that they constructed conspiracy theories in order to rationalize it away and cover up the truth of the resurrection. And that's why the Gospel of Matthew alone adds one interesting little tagline at the end of the Gospel to describe this sobering reality about the human condition, that even though Jesus had made resurrection appearances all throughout the land, at the end of Matthew, we hear these words, yet some still doubted. Isn't that unbelievable? That even with the most shocking good news of all, the women were still fearful The Roman officials were still skeptical, and there were people who still doubted. And the reality is, you and I both can understand where they're coming from. This good news has been shared countless numbers of times, yet there is still a part of us this morning that is still doubtful and fearful and skeptical. And even as we gather here on this Easter morning, we just come to look And we miss just how good this news of victory really is. The theologian Alistair McGrath recounts a story about a man he met who once served in the army during World War II. He was captured and imprisoned as a prisoner of war in a Japanese prison camp. Day after day, the man wondered what his fate was going to be, whether he would live to see the end of that day or whether he would live to see another day. He also wondered about his fellow prisoners, his fellow comrades. He didn't know how they were doing. He didn't even know if they were in the same prison camp as him. And Of course, his largest questions were about how the war was going out in the rest of the world. Were they winning? Were they losing? What was happening in the war? And then, just like an Easter earthquake, surprising news came. A man who was listening on a shortwave radio nearby listened to the news when this word was broadcasted to the entire world. The Japanese had surrendered and the Allied forces had won. 
Victory had just been guaranteed. And the man sat there, letting the news sink deep down in the midst of his disbelief. And then he started to rejoice. But, but then, then the man realized, as he looked around in his cell, that there was really nothing that had immediately changed about his situation. He was still sitting there in that dark, dank prison cell. It would eventually take days and weeks for all the prisoners to be found in the various camps to be identified and eventually released. But in the meantime, this man was still there, and so were his fellow inmates, still eating rationed food, still living in inhumane conditions, still in the presence of their tormentors and their captors. Nothing immediately had changed about their present situation. However, even though their day-to-day problems had not changed, their perspective did. Their attitude did. Because they knew something about the guarantee of victory that would forever change the way they looked at their present condition. They knew that even though their situation seemed the same on the surface, in the grandest picture, in the grandest scheme of things, victory was assured. And they knew that the conditions of their present life were only temporary. So soon the attitude of all the prisoners changed. They were, they were still prisoners, but they started to act free. They celebrated, they, they sang songs, they laughed and they cried together because they knew that their deliverance was assured. And friends, that is what makes the good news of Easter so good and so newsworthy for you and me. Because that is what the resurrection of Jesus does. It shocks us like word on a shortwave radio like an Easter earthquake that comes out of nowhere to tell us that even though on the surface your life and your present situation might seem the same, God has in fact been victorious over suffering and death and evil in the world and you are victorious too. And because of that victory we have in Christ, we can choose to live victoriously. This is the good news of Easter. And you and I just may not have known how much we needed to hear it today. But the real question, the real question is what difference this will make in your life. Let me put it to you as plainly as I can. Now that you are free in Christ, will you act free in Christ? If the good news of Easter is that Christ is risen, then the task of Easter is to live into that victory over suffering and evil and death in the world because of what's been given to you in Jesus Christ. It means acting like we are free and living like we are free and forming a community, an alternative community in which we profess love and freedom in the midst of darkness. That's the calling for the day. Whether you will choose to act free or not. 
But I want to let you know, there's still some good news to come in this story. Because Matthew's not quite done. Matthew, in fact, has one more surprise for the women that he alone shares in his gospel. He's not quite finished. That's a good thing, because I, I still have five more minutes in my sermon. So, <laughs> And here's the surprise for the women. After they hear this good news from the messengers, they head off to Galilee to go tell people what they've seen. And then once again, right in the middle of their journey, there's another surprise. Another shock out of nowhere. Another surprise out of left field. This time it's not an earthquake. This time it's better than an earthquake. Because Matthew records that as the women were walking along the road, who of all people shows up but the resurrected Jesus pops out of nowhere like a jack-in-the-box popping out of the box. Surprise! Hello, ladies. It's me, Jesus. He doesn't actually say that. That sounds creepy. But what he says is, <laughs> since I'm here, I'll stick to the manuscript, McGray. <laughs> and why does Matthew include that story in his gospel? The women had already gotten it. They'd already chosen to live as free people. They'd already recalibrated their path and chosen to follow Jesus. Why does Matthew feel it necessary to remind us that in the midst of their journey, Jesus was there? Maybe it has something to do with the way he ends his gospel. Because he alone ends his gospel with Jesus telling the disciples these words, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of time. And you know what that means? That means that for the rest of your life, Jesus is always with you. That from this moment on, even as you choose to follow Jesus, even as you begin the daily and difficult work of acting free, there are going to be times in your life when you're still going to feel fearful and lost and confused, and it's in those moments that Matthew would want you to remember. Surprise! Jesus is here with you. Jesus is never going to leave you because Jesus is with you until the end of time. That's the good news of Easter. It's good, and it's newsworthy, and it's victory for you. Let us pray together. God, we thank you for giving us this good news, this amazing news, that even in the midst of our darkness and suffering, you have conquered death and evil in the world. It may be hard to believe it, we might be so fixated on the conditions of this present world and of our lives that we can't possibly believe how good this news is. Yet, it is still true. Remind us, God, especially in those moments when we forget it, that victory is ours and we can choose to act free and live into that victory. We pray, O oh God, for anybody in this sanctuary today who is really struggling Give them the hope that they need to hear to go one more day and to live into your freedom. 
And we even pray for anybody in this sanctuary today for whom life is okay. But even in those moments when life throws a curveball at us, remind us that you are here with us. We thank you for the blessing of Easter. Now help us to live that resurrection every day. In the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord, and let all God's people say, Amen.